0: Now back into the show. You're
1: gonna have ten ideas you think are amazing, right? And nine of them are crap, right? (laughs) It's just fact. It's fact. Like your ideas, my ideas are all crap. Like most of them are crap. And I think the mistake most people make is they're convinced their one idea is awesome and they throw everything into it. They build all this stuff. They spend all this time working on it before they get any feedback. And the tech way is, cool. You got this idea. What is the simplest, easiest way to test it? Mm-hmm. Like, just don't build all the bells and whistles. Don't build the process. Like, let's test the concept because it's probably not going to work. And if it doesn't work, you learn something and you go on to the next one and the next one. And then the thing, when it works a little bit, like, okay, now I'm going to build that process. Going to build that stuff.
0: Today on the show, I have the pleasure of chatting with Stephen Keery. Now, Stephen is also another Australian expat, entrepreneur, and real estate investor, and he founded a company in Australia called Australian Home Improvement, and it IPO'd on the Australian Stock Exchange for over $300 million. Now, with those proceeds, he moved his family to New Orleans and founded Homebuyer Louisiana. His business acquires distressed properties directly from homeowners. He flips them, he rents them, he wholesales them, and he's built a rental portfolio spanning three different states, both here in the US and back home in Australia. And he's looking to keep expanding his portfolio as he grows his business here. But without it, I'm really excited and pumped to get him on the show today to share his incredible story with us. But without further ado, let's get him out here. G'day, Steve. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate?
1: G'day, Reed. I'm really good. I'm really happy to be on the show with my fellow Aussie friends. I, I did read your book when I came to America. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm really happy to be on your podcast,
0: mate. Shameless plug there, but awesome stuff. <laughs> but uh, I want to get into the story. We had a bit of a chat in the green room, but before we do, can you rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid?
1: That's really funny. You know what? I think I made my first dollar at a job. I got a job at Kmart, and it is funny because, you know, I, I've never had a full-time job or only about a part-time job, so, like, I, I very much see myself as an entrepreneur, but I – I'm not that most. I always felt bad because most entrepreneurs have this story of how they bought this when they were six and they sold. I don't have that, man. I, I was not on that path of being an entrepreneur. And but I heard Robert Kiyosaki speak in 2000 when I was at university, and he changed me. So like I I, I didn't have the entrepreneurial blood. I, I was an employee and I had a part time job. And you know uh, it took a mind shift and learning to become an entrepreneur.
0: What you're at university? What were you studying before you stumbled across the uh, the old purple purple book purple man, so to speak? <laughs> so I was at Macquarie
1: University in Sydney studying marketing and economics. Uh, mm-hmm. you know I thought I wanted to get a job in business. I didn't really know what that meant. you know, I probably saw myself you know working in marketing for Coca-Cola or Unilever. and I didn't even get the book right. My friend, his girlfriend worked for the promotion company that promoted Robert's talks. Mm-hmm. and he just said, come to this talk. You know, and I wasn't into that stuff. He he just convinced me. It wasn't something I would normally do. I just went and honestly, like that seminar just bang changed. He opened my mind. And then I read all the purple books, all the cassettes. (laughs) I think, you know, I went down that path, but uh, it just, it it was that one very serendipitous meeting um, in 2000 that, that set everything off.
0: And I, I I'm gonna stuff this up. I don't forget when the book was actually released. I think was it was the late nineties or was it around yeah, the early 2000s It was like ninety six,
1: yeah, it was like ninety six. So he was pretty like new in in it, you know, and and you know, the book the book was still like international. I think he'd been on Oprah, so like it was it was a big thing, but he was still he was still pretty new on the circuit and you know yep. he, he had cassette tape, so you had the book with, like <laughs> cassette tape, uh which he would give out. Um and yeah i listen. i listened to the my friend because my friend his girlfriend worked for the event they had like all these actual like you know expensive cassette tapes which i listened to and consumed so i really got to like inject a lot of it you know into my brain
0: yeah no, that's it, it's such a funny because i the same story with me when i finished backpacking in 2009 and 10 back in Australia and I was just like racking my brain up against the wall. Like, I don't want to be an engineer in a company that feels like it, I'm a small cog in a big piece, you know, big machine. And it was just, you know, serendipitously, as you said, you know, stumbling about, upon the book Richard had. And to be honest, like you, I didn't really know the, what the word entrepreneur meant, right? It's just a sexy word for a small business, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but but tell me, I, I mentioned the intro, introduction, IPO'd. What How did that come about? Like so uni, Robert, you know starting at some home improvement company, where did all that come in? Oh, you know marketing, yeah you know, uh, the economy doesn't it, doesn't it still have a a string between it all, right? So it, it, it's, it's all serendipitous things that happen, but Rob
1: so Robert, you know that was two thousand, I didn't graduate to two thousand two, so it gave a lot of time to think and read and you know study marketing. I also realized though, like starting to become more entrepreneurial that the marketing I was learning, was wasn't really relevant for smaller businesses. Like I I felt this disconnect like that it was like it was marketing for Coca-Cola, but what would work for smaller businesses? And so I started to read a lot of books outside of university on direct response marketing. So uh, so that sort of led me on that path. And when I graduated, I actually started a marketing consultancy. So I would go directly to like small businesses, landscapers, carpenters, painters, hairdressers, like all just all different little businesses. And I would help them grow their business. I'd do a tactical marketing plan. And then I met someone doing something similar. Uh, we merged our businesses, and we we focused on one industry, the alternative health industries, like natural therapies. We thought it was mm-hmm. an untapped market. People were like, they were a cottage industry. They loved what they did, but they didn't have much marketing ability, so it was really easy to help them out. Which then led me to a site because we wrote a book for natural therapists on marketing. And Wow, and yeah. that's very niche. It's very <laughs> niche, and like we we saw we saw growth. It was niche, and it was. Uh-huh. as well so you know and then it led us to there's a website uh called natural therapy pages and it had like 400 therapists on it it was all about natural therapies and so we reached out to the owner to sell our book and we started speaking and talking and you know he wanted to buy thousands of them but like it was it was in we ended up just doing a deal we we did get him a free report and would sell our book to his therapist and we just started working together and when i went into his business uh, he had another business partner that was sort of like next to him typing and I, I was speaking to him and his other partner was his garage. He was like typing the other side and he's like, do you do anything besides natural therapies? And I'm like, well, we're actually doing these things with tradies. I can say tradies to you because you're Aussie, but a contractor, <laughs> American people listening. Because uh, I, I had I was also helping contractors just we had this deal where a hardware store hired us to train their plumbers and carpenters. Hmm. If they sell more, they'll buy more stuff of us. So when I did that, the guy turned around, I went, I'm writing a business plan for home improvement pages. So it was again, really serendipitous, sort of in the same space. And we ended up working together for about a year. And then we just merged our companies. We worked together so well. We had different skill sets. You know, mine was sales and marketing. One of my other partners, he was like tech. You know, he's like Mark Zuckerberg, smart. Other guy was a CPA, you know. um, So we sort of all merged our companies and that ended up, the home improvement business became, became sorry, my dog going off. It became the biggest one, and uh, we ended up listening on on the Australian Stock Exchange. Um, we had like three hundred staff, you know, wow. just to 315 million three hundred fifteen million. We got to half a billion, although the the the, the market hasn't been kind. It's about one hundred thirty million right now.
0: And and just when you say home improvement, just describe to the listeners what you're meaning. By the service you're providing to get a product to go to IPO, because that's I think it's very important to, to 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 get to the nut and meat and potatoes of that.
1: So so I mean we we had a real system behind what we did, and we created mm-hmm. a two sided marketplace. Uh, to the any American listeners, it's very similar to Angie's List and Home Advisor. The business model we had gotcha. In, yep. in contractors with homeowners, mm-hmm. and uh, how we got to IPO was, I mean, a lot of hard work. <laughs> Uh, really, really conscious of building a system. We knew we're in a race because those two sided marketplaces, like generally one business becomes dominant and the rest die. So Mm -hmm. we were really conscious and aggressive. We plowed most of our profits back, all our profits back actually into growing a business. And we raised money. So we went real aggressively. And that's dangerous, right? Because like you can, you can do that and get nowhere. And, And luckily, though, we executed really well. And so we're able to grow. So once you start to get that scale, the brand gets known, it becomes cheaper to generate leads, you know? So we sort of built to that scale Um, we'd had News Corp, they invested in us, they, they bought 30% of the company. So we had some like wow. good backing, you know, and, and good players. And we just, the IPO was a great way to go. It helped uh, some of us like cash out some of our funds, you know, some of our investors cash out some of their funds too, but also the ability to hold some of those shares, you know, into the future.
0: And it, was that all through, you know, online back in the day?
1: Yeah, we were mainly online. And it, to be honest, like, we, <laughs> I can tell you when we started, uh, we were cold calling the tradies slash conference mm-hmm. to get them onto our directory. And if, when we first started, it was really just a better yellow pages, to be honest. Yep. And mm-hmm. we were telling them we found on Google. And the conversations I would have, be like, Google, what's that? Or, or Google, that's fact. <laughs> like these, these were the god honest, truthful conversations that, that we were having at the beginning of our business. Um, and you know, I think that helped us though because Australia isn't as um, developed. You know, in terms of businesses, it, it's harder to raise money. It's actually, I think, everything we did was harder than US. In US, like mm-hmm. raised capital much easier. So, but that was good because we had we pushed through all those hurdles. We were really like phone intensive. We, we really built a big sales force. Our sales was our first, like how we really grew. And no one else was doing it because it was hard. So, so mm-hmm. it was harder for us to do what we did. The competition didn't start chasing us for a long time. you know, And then we morphed into something better than just Yellow Pages. Like we became an app, you know what I mean? And uh, you know basically you post your job and we send it out yep. and the co- traders contact you. So it became a lot more sophisticated than that. But it started as a better Yellow Pages, really.
0: Yeah right, and when when did you IPO? It was like a year and a half ago. Okay, so re- only recently. Yeah, only recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, awesome, awesome stuff, mate. And then so talk to me about the the, the move to America because you know in the green room we we spoke about you're in, you're in Louisiana. What what's what took you there, mate? Well,
1: so it, it goes back to Robert Kiyosaki. You know, you probably see a theme. I, I talk like he's influenced me a lot. Um, and he one of his books is Retire Young, Retire Rich book he spoke about when you when he sold his first business he he's one of his friends who was a, a, another business person said you have to take a year off take a year off do not do anything do not think about your next move like just create that space so that was my goal I wanted to do the Robert Key psyche being you know i sold this this is after news corporate invested i sold a bunch of our shares we had an IPO yet um but you know I sold some of my shares I still had a bunch for the IPO which is good um but I'm like I'm gonna take my year off and mm-hmm. we love America. We've been in 28 states. We've traveled, you know, around it quite extensively. And New Orleans is our favorite city, you know, super fun. I'm a Saints fan. So, you know, like, I want, uh, so we just wanted to come here. My daughter went to a school that had a sister school in New Orleans. So we just sort of went, shifted her, put her in for six months. I'm like, I'm gonna go to all the Saints games. I'm gonna eat all the good food. And that was really the extent we did not expect to move. You know, my, my wife is also Australian. I had two kids. We've grown mm-hmm. in the same area. For generations actually my wife's side and my side and we just fell in love with it over here. We just love the culture, the people. And my wife said, Hey, you know, we're not leaving right <laughs> and, uh, and then I said, I went, okay, let me, let me think about that. Um, and then I started looking cause I wanted to do more in property. I've done a little bit of property in Australia and I wanted to do more of that again, a key Saki thing. And I started looking at a property market here and I just realized it's so much better than back home. The property is so much cheaper to live. You know, Sydney is the second least affordable city in the world based on income to value. So there's a bit of an arbitrage shifting from there to here. Mm-hmm. And we've got a much bigger, better, nicer house, you know, for cheaper. Um, so it all just sort of worked out like that.
0: Awesome, man. It's, it's such a... It's a weird, it's a weird place to end up because I I know most Australians when they think you, you sort of go coming to LA, San Francisco, New York, you know, Miami, Chicago, like Louisiana is not really on the map, you know, but 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 New Orleans is is such an incredible city. Personally, haven't been there and I need to get there, but um, such you know, steeped in history in terms of the the Deep South and all that sort of stuff and the French uh, influence down there. So uh, that, that's really really cool. Talk to us now about what you're building um, with Louisiana home buyers um, because I think that is such a and how does that translate to what you built with uh, your Australian improvement company?
1: It actually translated quite well actually. So, and, and it was funny cause I didn't realize it. So I, I I knew I wanted to do more property. I wanted to invest in property. I had, I had like I had, uh, six rentals in Australia and I'll buy more here. And I bought one off a wholesaler, right? And I didn't know what a wholesaler was. Uh, I don't know if they are in Australia, if they are, I met them, um, or maybe I wasn't aware of them. But but I'm like, okay, wholesaler, these guys have the deals. Let me learn what they do. So I did uh, a little course on wholesaling, and my intention was to be a customer. I'm like, I want to know they tick. If they got the deals, I want to get the deals. And then when I learned it, I realized it's just sales and marketing, mm. and that was my. I ran the sales and marketing at our company. So so when I learned, it was literally the same process, like pulling lists running campaigns, selling, talking, negotiating. Like it was my skill set. So I was just like, that's my skill set. Like that's how I'm going to get into property. And I got really niche. I went, mean, I'm just going to wholesale. I, the only thing I listened to was like wholesaling stuff. And, you know, I started wholesaling aggressively, using my marketing skills, using my negotiation skills. And that was my like beachhead into uh, real estate. And then after about a year, I I wanted to buy more. And I, I became really confident because I'd like... I've learned all the values, I've met all the buyers, I've really understood the market because I was involved in a lot of transactions at a wholesaling level, that I I then started aggressively buying properties myself as well.
0: For those of you who are interested in staying up to date with all the latest happenings in my business, or to learn more about passively investing directly into my multifamily value-add deals, then head over to reedgoosens.com and sign up for my monthly newsletter. By signing up, you'll automatically be notified about my new up-and-coming investment opportunities. You'll be able to stay up to date with all the latest real estate news here in the United States, and much, much more. So head over to reedgoosens.com and sign up today. Now, back into the show. And you now sell directly to, or bring on investor capital to 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 buy more deals.
1: I I don't you know people tell me I should get I should raise funds from Australia because the returns are so bad there, but I, I I don't really want the hassle to be honest with you. But uh, I I do BUR so I do a lot of BUR, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean you're a because I know you're a syndicator, so it's actually again as a Kiyosaki thing. So so Key talked about uh, getting um uh, an infinite return. Right. So, and he does that through Ken McElroy, you know, mm-hmm. obviously that's mm-hmm. similar stuff to yourself. um, And so that's what I went, Oh, I want to get, I want to do that. And I, I invested as an LP, you know, into a syndication deal um, in, in Louisiana, actually through someone I knew. And um, that was cool. But then I learned about the Burr method. And cause I'm, I'm ha- like the LP and the infinite returns also awesome. like, you know, like I, hands off, I don't have to do anything, I'm getting returns, but I am, I am a hands-on guy and I'm like, you know, I want to do more. So, Then I learned about the burn method and I'm like, it's the same thing as syndicating really just Mm a small scale. You know, I can do that myself, you know, so I would look, so when I'm doing my my wholesaling, like deals, that need a lot of work. I just, I assign those to another person. So I'm earning like a fee on that deals that didn't need too much work, but it's still a good price. I would then buy them myself. I did have some capital from my company. So I'd pay cash, fix them, put a tenant in place, you know, get it working. And then six months later, I'll refinance out all my money. Thirty-year fixed debt, please, America. He's <laughs> 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 right, but Americans don't. Americans don't understand how great it is that thirty-year fixed debt. It does not exist in Australia. Yep. So you know to be able to do that, pull that thirty-year fixed debt, I get all my money out. I own the property. The tenants paying it down. I'm making a bit of profit. It's an infinite return, and I'm going to sit on those. I'm. I'm not. I'm sitting on those for thirty years, man. I'm letting that, yep. letting that loan right out. So. You know, I just so for me I really was doing that. So I'm wholesaling some, I'm keeping some and just I'm constantly marketing, I'm constantly looking at deals and, you know, analyzing deals and talking to sellers.
0: That's that's awesome. Actually, you remind me and I pulled this book out earlier. So the second book, you don't have the second one yet, I have to send you a free copy. But Jeremy wow. Heath, he's uh, he's an Aussie on the back here. He 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 helped co wrote 10,000 Miles of the American Dream." He has San Antonio home buyers, and his brother's uh-huh. got Austin home buyers, okay. and he does a very similar thing, but more not necessarily burr, but you know, really buy around the sort of seventy to one hundred fifty thousand dollar price, sweep them out, get them back on the market, you know, flip them really quickly, and it's, yes. it's created a very. Um, Pretty, pretty big company that, that does it now and actually uses um, Australian super self directed super funds as the debt uh, mm. for buying because you know he can give them 10, 12%. Because um you know he's coming in within three months, he's got them back out, so he's kept constantly churning money. So, and I don't mean to digress here, but it's as you're, yeah, just the different ways of, of evolving a business into a machine, right? You talked yeah. about what you built with the Australian. Uh, property improvement company around your marketing it's also then taking that next step to say well what can we do to, to if we've got volume to then get it back out in, in, in the market um my next question to you is you know you've been here for four and a half years how's the last 12 months been going for you because i know it's been a big you know rocky road for all of us even in the commercial space you know interest rates have shot up have you seen like people just pull back in terms of buying and and, and, and wholesaling and all that sort of stuff to a level
1: probably not as much as like you know uh New Orleans is mainly where I'm I am and it wasn't as frothy as some of those other markets so not as much but definitely a little bit I, I personally did pull back a bit because the interest rates started going up to me like an up or down Market I actually don't mind and a bad Market's actually pretty good for me because I'm buying distress mm-hmm. but it was hard because it was obvious the market was turning mm-hmm. but you- or 22 two. So it's more uncertain. So I did a lot less burrs last year. I did like three burrs last year, the year before I did 15. So, wow. you know, like, like that was sort of where I was at. I still was still wholesaling though. I did start to adjust my numbers down towards the end of the year. Cause we normally as a wholesaler, I'm normally moving my deals in New Orleans at 70% of the after repair value minus the repairs. Like that's yep. how I'm pricing them. Cause that, yep. that's where the rehabbers want to buy them. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I moved that to 65% towards the end of last year because just they weren't moving so much at the 70% as the prices down. So once I made that adjustment, they, the deals kept moving. So I'm still wholesaling. You know, I'm watching the market. It, it's not, it's not, it's not too, it's not too bad here. Uh, but again, we haven't had the huge
0: growth. So you know, it, you know, you know you don't, you don't have the um the ups and downs. You know, high growth means you know low lows. Yeah, it's more slow and steady wins the race in in those types of markets. Exactly. Yep. 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 That's awesome. So, what does the 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 plan and the future hold for you guys? You know, both personally and with the business. Where do you want to Where do you want to be growing to um, coming here in the U.S.? It's interesting because when I
1: first started the business, um, you know, I looked at a lot of the like wholesalers in different states, like you know, the Phoenix, the Florida, the Kansas the, cities. You know, yeah, like and they had pretty big operations, and it 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 resonated with me because that's you know, I had ninety salespeople in my last company. And so I thought I was going to build that, but I must say, I've found that I don't really want to do that Mm. anymore. Like, I'm trying to find balance because, you know, I'm lucky. I mean, a company did IPO, I still had a bunch of shares. So, you know, I have some capital and, you know, I've taken a bunch of risks and I don't really need to do that. Mm. So uh, I've sort of settled on being a smaller company. I mean, I do have systems and it is a flow. I have. I have um, a full-time employee. i got some VAs and some people that contract to me. But I don't want to... I, whereas I thought in my head I'm going to build this big company sales machine, wholesaling. I, I'm actually pretty happy just to turn along, you know, doing, you know, four to eight deals a month and acquiring good assets myself. So just, mm-hmm. you know, building building some, some good income through like the, the assignment fees and then building some great assets as I go. And I'm pretty comfortable there, to be honest with you. And then, you know, it was a lot of long nights, a lot of, like, big days. You know, I sacrificed a lot of time with my family building that company. Uh, And for for the record, the the, the name is Five Pages. It was Home Improvement Pages. Uh Five Pages was the name. um, Got it. Company. Um, So I I sacrificed a lot of, like,
0: time for that. um, And I don't want to do that anymore. (laughs) It's But talk about that because, you know, burnout's real. Right, it's 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 real, and and some people uh, was talking. I want a mastermind group with a, a couple of other heavy hitters in the multifamily industry. Brian Burke, people who are listening to the show probably don't know who he is. He's been on the show. He sold seventy five percent of his you know multifamily portfolio last year. He had a lending company that he sold, and one of the guys on the mastermind yesterday was asking like, you know, what's what does Brian Burke two look like? You know, and and similar to yourself, it's like. He's like, I don't know. You know, like I don't. You know, maybe I don't want to do. Like it's you got to ask yourself, do you want to saddle up and go again? Because that's yeah. what that's what you're doing. Coming out of a big exit, regardless whatever company it is, you've got to truly ask yourself, do I want to get back on the horse and go for another ride? And and how much? How many more? How much do I have legs in me? And you know, he was saying that cups some of the guys that helped build his first company are approaching 60, 65. They might not want to do it again. So he's got to go and yeah. like find new employees and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And it's a it's a it's a big question to ask yourself. And it's not necessarily a bad question to say, look, hey, I'm gonna not tap out, but I'm gonna take a different path. Talk to me about you know the mindset shift of that, because you know, we're also growth, 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 growth. You coming from Australia. You know that Americans are just like next level in terms of how they think. So, how did, does that, does that, it must, it must sort of contradict one another, the, 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 the old school and, and the new school stuff.
1: Yeah. I do find myself sometimes like getting aggressive and then be like, and it, it like, so I will ebb and flow a little bit, but, um, you know, I, I have got a different view about work life balance, right? So, I think mm-hmm. people want work life balance. I think work life balance is important, but if you really want to be successful and have a lot, you, you, you can't have balance from day one you know so i think my version of balance has changed in that like you know in the early days of high pages man there was no balance like man i, just, I just worked my ass off i was there super early i was there super late and you know but then the balance so the balance didn't come in like you know having i work half and i have time off it was here but then i took a total year off mm-hmm. when i came here when i came here first i wasn't working literally i took a year off we ate out every day, you know, we went around New Orleans and just ate every good food there is. And there's a lot, we didn't, we got, got through about 10% of it. And so for me, like the balance is a little bit like that. So and now I've been working a bit, but I don't, I don't want to push too much that way. I'm just trying to keep it here. And, you know, cause what's the point mm. in, right? Like, you know, I do love the, I love every minute of high pages. I love the growth, but I'm like, do I want to saddle up again? Like you said, you know, uh, at the end of time, I don't want to be super old. And then try to relax, you know. Like, I, like I want to, I want to enjoy myself now, you know. And that's why I like real estate. Again, key psyche, like build your business, use your business to buy real estate, real estate, you know, builds that longer term wealth. So, you know, yeah, it's it, I do struggle with it. I do change a little bit. I do sometimes get more aggressive. I don't think I'm ever going to go all the way in. Uh, I did invest in a few startups. I made a few angel investments, you know, and I, mm-hmm. I got with a like, local angel network here. And that sort of allows me to, I love touching the entrepreneurs. <laughs> I, like to I like, it's sort of like being, um, it's like being a grandparent and being yep. a parent, you know, you're stuck with it. Grandkids, you can come in and give us a lot happy fun and walk out the door. Like, I don't want. I, I try to, that. I want that to be my interaction, you yeah. know, with growth enterprises.
0: That's awesome. No, I think that's it's, it's such a good perspective and and, probably I don't talk a lot about on this show all all the founders that I speak, I speak to, we don't talk about that, you know, like getting to that successful exit and what does the journey look like 2.0. And, and I think a lot of, now that I say it out loud, I'm thinking back to all the shows I have interviewed people with been at that stage, which has been far and few between, to be honest, so congratulations to getting to such a big IPO and an exit so early on. But I have spoke to um, another gentleman, a British guy who, I'm gonna stuff up the name, but he was in gaming, made a huge, like, massive exit, uh, and then started becoming an angel investor in commercial real estate. And he just looked a little different, right? And I think you, there's a part of you that has the value part, like the 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 the. the, I needed to prove it to myself that I could get there, and you did, and you climbed that mountain, and you're like, all right, well, I don't, maybe I don't need to have the foot, the gas, all the way to the floor. And just hooning at like 200 miles an hour, I could probably ease up a little bit and, and that's okay, right? I, I, there's, there's a lot of I risk
1: s- in that. There's a lot of risk in that too, right? Because there was there was no luck in what we did, right? Because like like we executed, we worked our ass off, but we were lucky to not have bad luck. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like because lots of people can do all the right things, you can try really hard and then something happens in the market, a competitor or a Google does something, you get disrupted, like – and and we were ploughing our profits into growth, you know. So we needed to get an exit to really make it worth our while. It it could have not happened, you know right. what I mean? So again, I I just don't feel that I don't, I rolled the dice. We did really well. Do I want to roll again? Do I want, like, I, don't, I
0: just don't need to. Yeah, yeah no, and no, I think, it, it, as you're saying, you're still getting your hit from being the angel investor, being the grandfather investor, coming in, give the kids some lollies, and piss off, you know. So yeah. it's uh, that, that's awesome stuff, man. Um, at the end of every show, we'd like to dive into the top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Let's do it. Mate, what's your daily habit that you practice to keep on track towards your goals? So, you know, I, I'm big. I, I really love Miracle Morning also, mm-hmm so
1: in the morning um i have I, I sort of roll in the habits together i meditate i do some affirmations and i also i do the one thing from um gary keller mm-hmm. so every week i go through and i look and i have my one thing for five years two year, uh two years one year six months this week you know mm-hmm. and sort of keep myself focused uh like that uh all, all
0: the time Awesome. Awesome. Question number two has been, who's the most influential person in your career to date? I think you know the answer.
1: <laughs> but, uh, you know, besides that, um, you know, I had some really good partners at High Pages, um, you know, learned, we learned so much from each other with different skills, you know, so David Vitek was one of one of my partners and man, that guy just will push you. The bar is so high. He thought, taught me how to think big. My other partner, Robbie, Sharon Zipsa, he, man, he was an implementer, just operational, amazing. I had Michael Pang, who was just, he really did the big deals, charismatic. So, you know, I think, I mean, those people definitely, you know, we we rubbed against each other the whole time and, you know, um sometimes argued <laughs> and some because because part of the way it is in business, the best, the best decisions actually in the middle somewhere. That's yeah. what I like. You have these different opinions, and it's like working them out, it's you get to that middle, and it's like it's a much better answer.
0: Yeah, I completely, completely agree. When you're com- not, not necessarily compromised, but it's using other people's advice to get to the decision where you need to go to. So different perspective. I think it's
1: different right. perspectives, and when you when you sort of consider them all, you, you, you use a bit of it all.
0: That's right, and it's your ability as a human to take it on, and as an entrepreneur, take on that advice, take on that perspective, put it in a blender. Where you're gonna head out to. So yeah. yeah. Question number three is what's been the what is the most influential tool in your business? When I say tool, it could be a physical tool like a journal or a phone that you just can't run the business without, or it could be a piece of software that you just can't run the business without. What is it?
1: Uh salesforce.com
0: is my yep. CRM. Um yep. yeah, I use it religiously. I probably use it different to
1: most real estate people because we use a at high pages. I mean, I know it back to front. Mm-hmm. I built lots of processes through it. So I, I pretty much use the same style in my real estate business. And I think most real estate people would look at what I'm doing. and like, what are you doing? Like, cause, cause it's probably not how I would, I wouldn't tell someone else to set it up like I did it, but because I spent so many years in it, it's like it runs everything leads, follow-ups just, it's, it's all dashboards. It's all in Salesforce.
0: That's awesome. Um, question number four is in one sentence, what's been the biggest failure in your career? what did you learn from that failure? Man,
1: so many failures. Um, you know, uh, they're all lessons. I mean, uh, one's not coming up. I mean, I've, I've done a lot of failures. We've we've launched new products. You know, that haven't worked. Uh, I I think, I think nothing is huge as a one failure, and there's probably a reason for that. Like, because we come from a tech world. Like, I learned about MVP, minimal viable product. So the way the tech people think is if you have a, I learned this like ages ago. It's basically. You to have ten ideas that you think are amazing, right? And nine of them are crap, right? <laughs> you, like, it's just fact. It's fact. Like your my ideas, my ideas are all crap. Like most of them are crap. And I think the mistake most people make is they're convinced their one idea is awesome, mm-hmm. and they throw everything into it. They build all this stuff. They spend all this time working on it before they get any feedback. And the tech way is: cool, you got this idea. What is the simplest, easiest way to test it? Mm-hmm. Like. Just don't build all the bells and whistles. Don't build the process. Like let's test the concept because it's probably not going to work. And if it doesn't work, you learn something and you go on to the next one and the next one. And then the thing when it works a little bit, you're like okay, now I'm going to build that process, I'm going to build that stuff. So so you know, so I've had lots of mistakes, but you know, nothing's so huge that it's hurt me. You know, and sticks
0: out in my head as the one mistake. Yep. Yeah. probably giving you a few grey hairs, I could imagine along the way.
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mate, last question was where can people reach you to continue the conversation that'll be in your sphere? Where do they go?
1: Uh, I mean, you can check out my website, com. You'll find me there as a contact form. Uh, LinkedIn, I'm pretty good on LinkedIn. Uh, Stephen Keery. Um, you can even Facebook. me. I, I really try to keep Facebook as personal for a long time. I gave up on that about a year ago and so you can Facebook
0: me as well. Awesome stuff, man. Well, look, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the show today. I just want to reflect some of the things that I took away from today's show. I think, you know, your ability to be humble and thank you for being humble with the building something that was, you know, that you saw had such a growth pattern coming from the, I think you were saying the herbal market space and it just sort of snowballed into this other thing and home builders and, you know, setting up the Angie's List equivalent in Australia. Uh, kudos to, to to sort of being curious enough about just following the yellow brick road until it led to something. Um, but then coming full circle, you've had the successes through hard work but now realizing do i need to go again do i need to saddle up and go again do i can i take a few chips off the table and have a business that i'm still having a bit of fun with and you still give you still scratching my itch but I don't have to be as high risk and I think that's such a powerful lesson not everyone who listening to the show is at that stage yet but it's good to hear someone who has got to the other side and then what it you know what's their perspective look like today compared to maybe 10 15 years ago when they started that grind um, I think that is a, is a great perspective um, to, for, to share with the listeners today and definitely something I took away from today's show did, did I leave anything out there I think I think I think that's pretty good and oh, you know, awesome.
1: Uh, again, I want to thank you. Like I said, I read your book when I was over (laughs) here. Uh, It definitely helped me with the lingo and the differences, you know, uh, in America. So I I
0: appreciate you too. Mate, absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy Louisiana. We'll catch up very, very soon. Awesome. Thanks for Well, there you have another cracking episode jam-packed with some incredible advice from Steve. If you do want to check him out, head over to homebuyerslouisiana.com. Check him out also on LinkedIn. He's a wealth of knowledge if you're in that state and you want to learn a little bit more about the Burr Method or what he's got going on with his wholesaling business, but also just like understanding how he ticks as a bloke and how he's moved halfway across the world with his family after exiting a massive company and his different perspectives that he has on life moving forward. Uh, If you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give it a five-star review on iTunes. And we're going to do this all again next week. So remember, be bold, be brave, and go give life a crack.